Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you now, the rain has gone. <laughs> you of it. I can see all obstacles in my way. Please tell me you're not going to start the podcast with you singing, please. It's going to be a bright, <laughs> bright sunshiny day. Oh, excuse me, I'm, I'm putting you in mute the note, I blow, blow my nose. So a potential but. Um, I was going to say a potential butter skin there. That's, I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> and the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the I Ready Podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? I'm very well Derek, how's yourself? Yes, I've, I've got a wee bit of cough then now, it might, might transpire throughout the podcast so I might need to let you warble on for a change. Aye, for a, for a change. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we've got a few games to cover, Um, you know, all positive results, very yep. decent performances as well, some controversy as ever, and then we'll get into the news which is obviously controversial, some of it as well. Yeah. So without further ado, we'll go down the tunnel and onto the park. So, before we get into that, we need to do the the usual thing, Dave. The transfer window slammed shut. Yep, it, it did. A couple of bits of business that we've done. Not the blockbuster signing that I think a lot of people were predicting and that we were all hoping for. But nevertheless, a few positions that have been filled in there, certainly going by the very early signs that we've seen, I think we could be pretty decent players. Yes. Anyway, no strikers were brought in. I think yep. everyone wanted one, maybe apart from the manager, that is. I mean, granted, that's not to say that we weren't working on one and nothing panned out. I think ultimately Shankland was a non-starter. Hearts have since came out and said that it would have taken the Scottish transfer record for them to, to accept it. I mean, that's despite Shankland not signing two contract offers they put yeah. to him. I mean, we never confirmed that we were interested in him. And if we were, I'm glad we didn't pay the ransom. And because yeah. it's the kind of money that they were after for a player that's on the wrong side of 28, 18 months left in his contract. And let's face it, no real European experience, not value for money at this stage, was it? Well, as I say, it's at this stage, you know, that it could be right. How the season pans out in the end, Derek, maybe if we'd had Shankland in the team, it might have helped us win the league and win trophies and stuff like that. I was really hoping that we would try and get that one over the line. I think it's all talk with Hearts this. It would have to have been the, the transfer record, you know, we would have to have broke the, the bank to bring him in. I think that's a nonsense. I think if it would have went in with a half decent offer for him, they would have uh, they, they would have went for it because it's quite obvious, like you said, he's no signing his two contracts. It looks as if he's wanting the move himself. And I think if there was a concrete offer in there, he might have maybe tried to force it through. So I don't buy that at all. But regardless, it wasn't to be at this stage, Derek. We've not got him. He's not our player. But I do think it's something going by. Certainly we'll get into the games or the chances that we've been missing recently. An out-and-out striker is something that we definitely need, but it wasn't to be. 
Yeah, I mean, it does leave me slightly worried as we've only one fit number nine just now. And I'm convinced if we had a recognised striker, a fit one, in that European final a couple of years ago, we would have won it. But 100%, yep. Yeah, story 100%. for another day. Aye. But anyway, the players that we did sign, we did mention that it was rumoured uh, Mohamed Diomande has signed 22-year-old midfielder, signed on loan till the end of the season from FC Nordestland, I think that's how you pronounce it, and we've got an obligation to buy for reportedly £4.5 million, so a big wedge there, if yeah. that, that's the, the case, but he's only had a, a fleeting appearance in the Aberdeen game, I think, and that was about it, so... Yeah, a, um, a fleeting appearance, Derek. But like I've told you before, and I know you possibly think I'm talking shit, but I like to see something very, very early on from a player, a wee spark, some, something like that. He only had a very short period of time in that last game, but what I saw, I thought the guy looked excellent. I thought his touch, his awareness, his movement. Everything about his, his play, even uh, the, the, the fact that they will get into the red card, he was the first person over to the referee shaking his head and going mental, saying, you know, sticking up for, for, for the player. So for a guy that's just in the door, the very early signs for me look very, very good. And if we are prepared to pay that amount of money for a midfielder, then there must be something extra special about the guy. So I'm really excited to see how that pans out, Derek. We said that about Lammers, though, didn't we? I didn't, know. <laughs> I definitely didn't say that about Lammers, Derek. I really honestly didn't. And that is why I try to reserve judgment. But in early games, and I know that, that me and you speak a lot about pre-season, I said that to you at the time. I know it's only pre-season, but I like to see something from a player. And I never saw it for any of the players that we brought in in the summer there. No spark at all but I definitely did see it with him in that game. So, as I say, I'm, I'm quite positive about that one. Next player that we signed was Colombian winger Oscar Cortez. He's signed yeah. on loan till the rest of the season from Lens with an option to buy, not an obligation this time. Mm-hmm. It was completed a few days before the window closed, but we left it until around six o'clock on deadline day to announce it. And sources at the time saying that this was, that was it for this winter. So... That was really, really it, Dave, uh, in terms of the signings. Yeah. Uh, again, we've only seen one a fleeting glance um, uh, yes. towards the end of the Aberdeen game, but uh, decent so far. Know that you yeah. can tell, tell much. I, 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 again, Derek, like the, 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 he said more game time, but certainly what I've seen of him, he does look very lively. His work off the ball was excellent. He was able to drag players away. Great touch. So, uh, I think we've got a good player there as well. The only thing I was a wee bit confused about, Derek, and I don't know if you had saw something else, All every single report that I had seen on the guy when we were talking about him signing was that he was a right winger. And I thought to myself, well, that's a good uh, addition because we've really only got McCausland out there. But so far, he's only played on the left. So I don't know if he plays both wings or he is a natural left winger but certainly going by all the reports I heard he was a right winger so uh, it remains to be seen because we still see him play in that position but uh, were you under that impression as well Derek or or, or did you just think he was a, a left winger like he's been getting played out there? I just heard Colombian winger and that was right, <laughs> that okay. was it, Dave. So I'm not too sure. Well, right. obviously, see in due course, we do yeah. play, play players out of position at times as well. So um, maybe that was just one of these things, just fitting Possibly, in to give them yep. give them game time. We apparently were set to sign Brazilian left back Hefty Jefty. 
yep. <laughs> however you pronounce it, from Fluminese. Uh, it was even endorsed by Fabrizio Romano as well, so there was obviously something behind it. However, he's currently on loan to Appwell Nicosia, and uh, there was no recall on his loan contract, and they didn't want him, want to let him go because they currently have a transfer ban, so they wouldn't be able to get cover for him. It's allegedly set that it's going to go through in the summer, however, so I'm not sure if then that put a stall on, on Ridvan going, which was supposedly meant to happen, but we'll wait and see in the summer to see if this, yeah. this happens or not, and it might mean a wee bit of move. Bear in mind, Barisic is out of contract in the summer as well, so that might be just a straight replacement. But Possibly, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've also, just in the last couple of days, let Cifuentes go on loan to Brazilian side Cruzeiro for 12 months with an option to buy in the summer. He was set to do, go to Turkey, apparently, but that fell through as he didn't fancy it. He's going out on loan for six months into a four-year deal. He has said a few things in, in an interview with Rangers and on social media about struggling with the climate and there was an apparent relationship breakdown as well. I think there's a player in there, we've seen it in the pre-season, but sometimes just in your personal life you can't settle down and things don't work out that way and it does affect your playing, which is maybe what's happened in this case here. Possibly, yep. So I wish him well wherever he ends up, but I don't think you'll see him in a no. Rangers top again. No, I agree. I've, uh, I think that's the last that, that, that we've seen of him. So, yeah, we'll just have to, to, to wait and see what happens with that one. Uh, with him exactly like, like you said that there was wee sort of glimpses of a good player in there but it just didn't come to fruition for us so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens Now for outgoings apparently Ross Wilson and Nottingham Forest made a bid for Jack Butland no official figure was given but it was rumoured to be about £10 million double it and then we can maybe start talking but Rangers issued a good old-fashioned hands-off notice to them and any clubs that were wanting to come from in this window. So really, really good to see Rangers doing the business in that case. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Clement also confirmed that Alex Lowry returned to us with an injury. Hearts did apparently say that he had a knock, but they never said how bad it was. And it was so bad that it was in his treatment and he can't go out on loan. So that kind of puts a scupper to his development. Yep. Definitely, what that, yeah. what that means for the rest of his Rangers career, I don't know. It's pretty unfortunate for him. Again, we've spoke about him many times on here, Derek. Definitely a, a great player when he's on his game. We all thought it was a great move for him going to Hearts, but certain games he looked as if he was an outstanding player and he was going to be, you know, he was going to flourish there. But he's came back and just very, very unfortunate for him that he's now injured. So. I don't know how long that's going to set him back until he's actually back playing. Uh, well, again, it's, it's it's one of these things. We'll just have to wait till the club updates us with that. Yeah. So we finished the window arguably stronger than we started it. So that's a positive. But yep. as I kind of mentioned on the tweet when we kind of heard that this was going to be it, I think it was underwhelming, kind of pitch poor. We needed a couple of strikers at least. Maybe definitely one. If we could have got two, that would have been great. Even if it was a short-term loan, just for bodies. Because, yeah. as, as I've said, you know, you get an injury to Dessers, then who are we left with? Um, <laughs> Sorry, mate. I burst out laughing there. But you know my feelings on, on Dessers. And, and I know he's, he's our only recognised striker. But going the last few, few games that I've seen of him and the chances that, that, that he's missed, I've been calling him for everything. Again, so uh, I've got my, my strong feelings about the guy. I wouldn't have him anywhere near the team if we had another fit striker in there. But 
unfortunately we, we don't we've, we've only got Silva who I don't think is an out and out striker although I thought he played very well in the last game when he came on but definitely a position that, that, that we need quite de- desperately at the moment but he's definitely not the answer for me Derek oh, I think you've made that point abundantly Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Dave the guy's done some good stuff and especially his hold up play as well and yeah he's had a few sclaff shots but I mean, Matondo in one of the games we're going to get into had the exact same issue where he just wouldn't bloody well shoot and he had the exact same problem as Dessers had and he never got on his back about it. So I, but I know Matondo's not a striker. He's no there to score goals for us. He's, he's more there to be creative for us. And the amount of chances that a guy, a, a striker like him, is, has for us and straight misses and poor, really poor, misses for, for, for any half-decent striker, Derek. I'm sorry, it's just, it, it, it doesn't do it for, for me at all. Not to say that I won't cheer, cheer the guy on, but it's definitely not, not the answer for me. Just one last transfer issue here, nothing to do with us, but just quite an interesting one. Ryan Kent has been frozen out the Fenerbahce side and and he's not been getting his wages, apparently. He was set to go to Lazio on loan. He didn't want to go, apparently. He's now considering taking going to FIFA to try and sort this out. The Turkish window isn't closed yet either, so you know he, he might still get a move, but just a, a daft move. I have no sympathy for him because it was a stupid move. How often do British players go over there and this kind of thing happens? And, you know, We've got our own players as a, a testament to that Kenny Miller, Chris Boyd, Kyle Lafferty, and also the fact that, that he downed tools for us in that last six month to year as well. No sympathy for him whatsoever. So, anyway, into the games. The first game is Saturday, the 27th of January. It was a 1 0 win away against Sidmer in the Premiership. A potential banana skin fixture that one there, but we managed to go there and get out with the three points. Yeah. So we had four changes from the Hibs game. We lined up Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Suter, Rudvan, Lundstrom, Raskin, Sterling, Cantwell, Wright and Dessers. On the subs bench were McCrory, Silva, Jack, Lawrence, Matondo, Balogun, Barisic, Devine and McCausland. So the first half were good until we scored. And then after arguably the second best team, as we became very scrappy, we couldn't string a couple of passes together and we couldn't retain possession. Second minute, there was a shot from Lundstrom outside the box, comfortable for their keeper. And on the 14th minute, we went 1-0. Dave, who scored it? It was. It was Dessers. It was a good goal, Derek. It was, it was, it was a, 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 a very good goal. My God, I mean, timestamp this. Dave praises Dessers. No, I wouldn't go so far as praise, <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was a good goal. Yes, it was a long diagonal ball over the top of the defence from Lundstrom from the halfway line as well, right to Dessers in the box, who calmly rounds the keeper with one touch and then puts it in the net with the second touch. Just outstanding from Lundstrom, but fantastic composure and a great finish from Dessers there. Yep, was and a great time for us to score as well, Derek. Early on in the game, and I fully expected us to to capitalise on that way is getting the early goal. Yes, and we never. After that, St Mirren managed to get a wee bit more of the stranglehold of the game. On the 16th minute, it was a cross-in from St Mirren from the left. Unorthodox half-volley and an overly dramatic dive from Butland, but you had to get it anyway. 20th minute, again, they had a cross from the left, knocked back down by their attacker who laid it off in a shot over the bar. 21st minute, Tavernier with a shot, hits the outside of the left post and out. So unlucky that one there. 30th minute, St Mirren on the left, crossed in. It was controlled and then shot and Butland and saved with his legs at the near post it was ruled offside in any case to me it was marginal but it was just dangerous again and once again targeting that left side yeah you actually took the words right out of my mouth I was about to come in there I was about to say there's a common theme 
on the St Myrna attacks there, every single one of them were going down the left-hand side. And that was really obvious in the first half that we just weren't closing down their left wingers. We just weren't doing it at all. And they were getting time and time again, they were getting the chance to put the ball into the box. So very, very dangerous. Yep. 38th minute, a shot from St Myrna just outside the box had Butland pull off a diving save on the right side to put it out for the corner it did bounce right in front of him it all stemmed from a kick out from the St Myrna keeper which the player who ended up picking up the ball was offside but nothing given so you've got to deal with what's there but once again, linesman and referee yeah. not keeping up with the game yep. that's how the first half ended up so concerning because they had chances probably better ones than, than we did overall into the second half we made changes at half time right and Cantwell off McCausland and Lawrence on 51st minute we had a good dig in the final third to win back the ball a couple of times ended on Lawrence shooting but went well wide 53rd minute us with a header over the bar from the back post after a cross in from the right 54th minute Dessers with his back to goal in the box holding it up looking for a pass but nothing on turns and shoots it takes a deflection Bobbles a couple of times, it beats the goalie, hits off the outside of the post and cleared. Really unlucky that there. And this is one of the things that Dessers is really good at, is his actual hold-up play, looking for that extra pass. And then he's got an ability to turn and shoot. Maybe he's claps it sometimes, but the actual ability to do that is there. Silence from Dave. Yes, total silence. Again, I've I've spent enough time telling you my uh, feelings about the guy. So, uh, bye. I'll let you continue. <laughs> 58th minute, Raskin off and Jack on. 83rd minute, that just shows you nothing happened in the game of, of significance. Red Van off and Barisic on. 85th minute, St Myrna with the last real chance of the game. They had a, a chance ended up off the side netting after being cleared out by our defence, out for the corner. The resulting corner in from the right, headed back to the back post and off the bar and then cleared. Really loving dangerously towards the end of the game there. Always the danger when you are only 1-0 up. Yes. And then the last piece of note I've got here is the 87th minute, Sterling off and Matondo on. So, not the greatest of performances. It was perfunctory, fairly well defensively handled. I can't remember Butland having that much to do overall. But again, we weren't making their keeper make saves either. So, at least it was the three points and up the road, though. So. Exactly what you said right at the start, Derek. That was a potential banana skin. There's always going to be games like that. Away, St Myrna have been pretty good this season and, and they've been excellent at home also. So that was a, a, a potential really tricky match for us. So if you'd have came to us before the game started to say, look, you're going to win 1-0, get the three points and Butlin's not going to be in that much bother. He might pull off a few saves. You, you would say, all right, we'll, we'll take it because it is a, a, a potentially hard match, that one. So no, I would say... Uh, I was satisfied, a wee bit disappointed, like you said, that I thought we might have been able to capitalise on the early goal, but wasn't to be. But thankfully, that one goal was enough to, to, to give us the three points in the end. Yes. So the next game was Saturday the 3rd of February. It was a 3-0 win at home against Livingston in the Premiership. Now, I missed the game. and yep. I've only seen the brief highlights because I was away at hospitality at another game there. Obviously, Rangers were doing a trial of moving the away fans to a club deck stand. So that meant yeah. we had the, the, the traditional away end to our own fans. Rather weirdly... We gave Livingston fans an £8 voucher for food and drinks at our kiosks as a thank you for moving seats to the club deck. I mean, 
really strange because it's our stadium. We get to decide where the away fans sit. So I didn't understand that one there. However, it may have been done because we knew how few Livingston fans were going to be travelling there because apparently it was counted out in a media image and only 34 Livingston fans yeah. were in attendance. So it wouldn't yep. have cost us that much at all. So, But just a bit strange we've done it. But Dave, you got to see the game and yeah. you've got the notes. I do, yeah. So I've got quite a few changes to the game and I quite like this. Derek from Philip Clement, he obviously looks at his squad and he's content with the squad in full because he can make so many changes in the team and still manage to get them to play. So it is quite encouraging to see that. So like I said, a few changes uh, that the team that Clement put out is Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Balligan and Barisic in the, the back four. Lundstrom, Jack, Cantwell in midfield and McCausland, Matondo and Silva on the bench. McCrory, Rudvan, Suter, Dessers, Lawrence, Cortez getting his first start on the bench. Scott Wright, King and Raskin. So a really, really strong bench there, Derek. Every single one of the guys, you know, could go straight into the first team. So again, very, very promising. So with Celtic dropping points, it was imperative that we stayed focused to the game got the win that that was but you know the most important thing here and thankfully we did in the end so in the the fourth minute first chance McCausland into Jack on the edge of the box a powerful shot saved by the keeper out for a corner eighth minute great link up play in the box Silva to Matondo he hits a sort of flick shot just over over the bar unlucky there 14th minute Barisic with a cross in the keeper tried to grab it the ball drops uh, at the feet of Cantwell but he just can't manage to get the ball down quick enough to get a shot and too many Livingston bodies in the way and the ball was cleared out. It was noticeable early on in the game, Derek, that Livingston were just going to pack their box. They weren't there to do any attacking whatsoever. There was so many bodies in the box every single time that we had an attack. So that's what I thought you know, it could take some doing to break them down. The 18th minute, a fantastic move involving Cantwell. First time ball to Silva on the left wing. He backheels the ball to Matondo, who'd continued his run down the left-hand side into Lundstrom at the edge of the box. He had a shot just wide of the post. That would have been one of the goals of the season if that had came off. Fantastic play. 22nd minute, though, an early sub for Rangers. And a forced one because Leon Balligan had to come off after a head knock. He rose up to win a header. Nasty clash of heads there. He was down, but managed to walk off and... uh, Thankfully, nothing too serious, but he had to come off at that time and it was uh, John Souter that had came on for him at that stage. So, 25th minute, McCausland on the edge of the box, a curled shot just past the far post. Thought he'd going to score that one, it didn't there. But then, a bit of controversy here, Derek, and I don't know if you've seen it back on the on the highlights or not, but a clear penalty to me. The ball was into Silva, and it looked as if it clearly came off the Livingston defender's arm before it got to him. But not no, even a VAR check for that one. So, I did, did you notice that one, Derek? Did you see that in any highlights? I've never seen that part, no clear to me that it came off the Livingston defender's arm, it looked unnatural but no even a VAR check for that one very very strange at that point 30th minute, it really was all Rangers but really we, we couldn't get past the Livingston defence Livingston keeper didn't really have much to do at that point but 
it was something like 78% possession for us, but like I said, only two shots on target. And then a great chance, Cantwell on the right wing, he puts a cross in, and Matondo, he hits a snap shot and a great save by the Livingston keeper out for the corner. And from that corner was when we broke the deadlock. And the corner was whipped in from Tav. The ball falls to Golson. He sticks his leg out. Then the ball falls for Silva. He turns on the half volley with a slight deflection and the ball goes in past the goalkeeper to make it 1-0 and give Silva his first goal for the club. So delighted for him, Derek, that he's off the mark. Poacher's instinct, I think. I've only seen it once, but that's what I kind of got from it. Obviously, there was a long VAR check as well because the leg stick out from Goldson was uh, potentially a high boot. And the one angle i seen it, it wasn't conclusive if he actually connected with, with uh, the defender or not. But, you know, I think Dermot Gallagher said that it should have been, a, should have been chopped off. Obviously, VAR decided against it. I, again, I've only seen it from one angle, but uh, I, I don't know, Dave. What was your impression of that? Again, a bit of both. I think it could have gone either way there. I'm uh, trying to play devil's advocate here because obviously it, it, it was for us, but it's certainly if it had been chopped off, you would have seen why. But obviously the referee and the, the people that the, the, the were doing the VAR check didn't think it was as serious as, as that to get it chopped off. So thankfully the goal stood and that put us 1-0 up. Now we thought it was going to stay like that, 1-0 at half time but thankfully two minutes into the added time in the first half we grabbed our second goal and it was Matondo that scored he receives the ball on the left wing turns his man inside turns him outside sees there's a space hits a low curling shot which goes past the goalkeeper another wee nick but I think it was going past him slight deflection I think the ball was going in anyway fantastic play by Matondo and great finish as well Derek you always love it when that kind of type of goal happens but you hate it at the same time because it taking the deflection so it does make you think was it going to go in was the keeper going to get it but I, I've said before I don't care as long as they go in the back of the net yeah no excellent and to go in 2-0 up at half time takes the pressure off. Not that Livingston had really tested us in any way, shape or form at that stage. So uh, into the second half, 51st minute, Jack gets the ball on the edge of the box, turns his defender, but shoots just over the bar. And then five minutes after that, 56 minute, we get our third. Cantwell with the ball in midfield, out to McCausland. He gets the ball, runs in, Cantwell continues his run into the box. McCausland spots that plays a simple low cross right in front of Cantwell, just a few inches off the penalty spot, and he just fires the ball simply past the goalkeeper. Simple stuff, but a great goal. Great start and finish by Cantwell, and uh, you know that was a game over by that point. Excellent goal. Yeah, pick of the bunch, I think, from from that of what I've seen. You know, Cantwell has really started to come onto a game now. I think that man management with him about taking him off at half time or even yeah. into into the first half because he wasn't doing the job he was told. I think he's starting to learn now, and we are starting to see the Cantwell of old, the Cantwell we yeah. knew he could be all the time. So yep. long may it continue. Definitely. 61 minutes, that was the, the start of all the changes for Rangers. Jack Barisic and Matondo off. Lawrence Rudvan and a debut for Oscar Cortez at that stage. 66 minute corner for the left. Suter header at the near post just passed and out. Really unlucky there. 70th minute, McCausland on the right. Beats his man. 
gets into the box. He has a low shot, which is saved by the keeper. Out to Cantwell. He puts the ball back into McCausland in the box with a snap shot, but a great save by the goalkeeper and out. Great awareness by Cantwell there again to notice that McCausland had continued his run. Really unlucky that that didn't go in there. Uh, 72nd minute, Matondo on the left wing. A low ball to Silva in the box. With his back to goal, he tries to flip, flick it up and have a shot and fires the ball just wide of the post. That would have been a great goal, but again, really unfortunate. And then another uh, double sub for Rangers, Silva and McCausland off in the 76th minute and right and Dessers on. 81st minute, right with a low cross to the back post to Cortez. He lays it off for Dessers, who balloons the ball o- over the bar for close range. That really should, should have been four. Poor, poor finishing. Still at 3-0 at that stage. 84th minute, fantastic long-range strike by Ridvan. He hits the ball, it takes a dip at the last minute and comes crashing off the bar. Really, really unlucky he did score that one. That would have been an absolute beautiful goal, but unfortunately it didn't come off. But that's how the game finished, Derek. Straightforward, professional, closing the gap on Celtic and at that stage meaning we were three points behind with a game in hand. And that's all that, that we were wanting. And again, I keep saying it, professional, it's not that we're going out steamrolling teams, Derek, and absolutely annihilate them constant, you know, but it's it's constant pressure by us and thankfully there we managed to get a few goals also, so absolutely delighted with the, with the result in the end. Yes, absolutely can't ask for much more of that. It's always good when you're away and you don't see the game and you end up 3-0 winners. So. <laughs> so the moral of the story is, Derek, you're going to go out in the piss every single Saturday and miss the games. Is that is, is that what you're telling me? If that would win Rangers the league, then absolutely. <laughs> I might be getting a divorce, so we might need to put the podcast on hold. But <laughs> I know. You, you've got to take the rough for the smooth, Derek. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it leaves us into the last game and arguably the most controversial of the three. It's Tuesday, the 6th of February. It was a 2 1 win at home against Aberdeen in the Premiership. We made four changes from the Livingston game. We lined up Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Souter, Ridvan, Lundstrom, Lawrence, Cantwell, Matondo, McCausland and Dessers. On the subs bench, we had McCrory, Silva, Cortez, Sterling, Wright, Barisic, King, Raskin and Diomande. In the first half, footballing-wise, in large parts, some of the best football I think we've yeah. played all season. Very quick. Very incisive, not always coming off, but we were trying things differently. We were varying the way we were playing as well. Some of the play, yes, granted it wasn't as great, but some of it was outstanding. In the fifth minute, it was a lovely move, working the ball from midfield into the box on the left, ending in Cantwell trying a cutback pass that was intercepted, but it was nice one-touch triangle play all round though. And then we went a goal up on the seventh minute with Matondo scoring. It all started from Matondo being alert in midfield, robbing the midfielder of the ball. It was a pass to Cantwell who plays it across to McCausland on the right, who takes it inwards. The defender slips, he hits a shot, the keeper saves, spills to Matondo, who gets the rebound from a tight angle. Brilliant. It just it wasn't the greatest yeah. of shots from McCausland, but at least he was having the effort and it was probably poor from the keeper. But it's all about being alert by Matondo to pick up that spare ball. Definitely. And as you've said many times, Derek, get a shot at goal because you don't know what's going to happen. In that case, goalkeeper spilled it and we we were able to capitalise and fair play to Matondo being in the right place at the right time just to lash the ball into the back of the net. Great early goal. And as you say, the early pressure from us was really, really promising as well. So delighted that we were 1-0 up early on in the game. 
Yes. 15 planet was a corner from the right, bounced off the ground and off the elbow of the defender. There was no VAR checks, I don't think, but it was a correct decision not to give a penalty anyway. It was a, a half claim, if you can call it that. 19th minute, it was a shot by Aberdeen at the near post on the left, comfortable take for Butland. 30th minute, a lovely sweep and move, ending in Tav hitting the ball wide. 38th minute, a stunning ball down the left from Cantwell to Matondo, who gets the ball, cuts in, delays, delays and delays. And when he finally hits the ball, it was just blocked in time. Very similar to Dessers' chance against Celtic. And that's what I was saying about early, earlier on with the, the whole Dessers-Matondo thing that Dave doesn't talk about. Yeah, but again, Matondo's a winger, Dessers <laughs> is a striker. That's that's my argument, Derek. doesn't matter, he's getting in that position. <laughs> 42nd minute, the ball knocked up to Dessers in the box with his back to goal again, who knocks it down for Matondo, who has a shot and it was saved by the keeper. Great hold-up play, and it was a decent effort as well. And yep. we were on the ascendancy at this point, you kind of thought something was coming. 44th minute, the ball on the deck, on the left to Ridvan, who plays a first-time cross to Dessers, who ends up with a shot but wide. And then, out of nothing, the masters of our own downfall, once again, Aberdeen made it one each on the 45th minute. Long ball over the top of our defence. Goldson out-muscled and it was effectively tapped into the net. Botland, I'm not sure what he could have done there. Maybe got out a wee bit quicker, but there was always the risk of slipping, falling into the player, causing a penalty. You thought Goldson would have out-muscled him, but no, he got out-muscled. Granted, yes, Miofsky did have a handful of his shirt, but that kind of thing goes on all the time and it never prevented Goldson from getting the ball. So for me, it wasn't a foul but it was just poor once again from Goldson. And as I said on the post-match, this is the same thing that he gets beaten time and time again. This is now the fourth manager we've seen the same type of goals is costing us. Granted, it's not all on him, but he's the last line of defence. The ball get knocked over the top of him. He just cannot deal with it. And we cannot keep relying on Goldson doing this all the time. He can be so solid. There are lots of great points to his game. But when you're getting beat with the same things time and time again, this is what happens. And a lot of people give Aaron Ramsey a hard time for missing that penalty in the final. Players miss penalties, as we've seen. But the combination of Goldson and Tavernier at the back cost the goal to equalise in the first place. So... Yeah, I'm. I'm still not over it, Dave. I'm still. I know. I know. I. Uh, I think a lot of that goal as well, Derek, was down to complacency. Aberdeen had done absolutely nothing in the game up until that point, and I don't know if Goldson was just a wee bit complacent there because they hadn't really had much to do. Miofsky's been on fire for, for a, in a very very poor Aberdeen team, so they they, they all knew how how good a player he was and. So it was uh, it, it was it was pretty dangerous for him to be kind of one on one with Goldson, but he just he, he, he just looked completely lost, like you said, and he managed to, to nip in. I don't think that that, that Butland, who Derek will love, and he's absolutely outstanding. I think he maybe could have been a wee bit better positioned because he was quite far back when the ball was played over and bounced. So maybe a wee combination there, but certainly Goldson was completely caught out and uh, Aberdeen scored and you know, we can't say that it was deserved because we were by far the better team at that point. Yeah, so no changes at half time, 
Aberdeen came out slightly better initially on the 47th minute. They had a corner on the left, flicked on and cleared at the back post by Lundstrom, so that was quite dangerous. And then we started to get more on top of it. 49th minute, lovely hold-up play by Dessers, who passes to Cantwell, who feeds him back a great ball into the box. He tries a shot, but sclaffed wide and put as he was put off by the defender. That was a piss-poor effort, I'll give you that one, Dave. Yep. 51st minute, nice move, ending in a shot blasted well over the bar by Tavernier. 54th minute, Matondo with a shot after a good move, saved by the keeper. It rebounded out, and another shot, but it was saved by the keeper again. Might have been offside from the first shot in any case. 56th minute, Matondo and Dessers off, Silva and Cortez on. 63rd minute, a lot of pressure, ending in a cross from the left and a glancing backwards header by Silva just wide of the post. 66th minute, a corner from the right, not cleared. Lawrence with a shot blocked by the defender, rebounds back to him and has another shot which is blocked by the keeper's legs and then cleared again. Really unlucky that there. And at this point, we were just absolutely pounding them. Yes. We were by far on top. You could see something was, was starting to materialise and, and you kind of seen it coming. At that point, as I said, I was thinking of things when you're doing podcasts. I don't know about you, Dave, but I'm thinking of what I can say about how the game's going. And I could genuinely not fault the team at all for the effort because we're putting in stuff, we're trying, we're giving it our all. We just couldn't find that last wee bit, which again is the name of the game ultimately. But the effort was there and the, the endeavour was there. However, on the 72nd minute, I didn't need to think like that because Cantwell made it 2-1. Silva picks up the ball in the middle near the Aberdeen box. It was a strong challenge by the defender and we lost the ball. But Lawrence picks up the ball, has an absolute thunder bastard from 25 yards, forcing the keeper into a good save. But Cantwell gets the jump on the defender, alert as hell, and he shoots the rebound into the back of the net. Brilliant. Aye, brilliant. And we can't say any more superlatives about Cantwell. You try and, and, and teach this to boys for, for a young age, you know, when, when you're coaching, to fo- follow the ball in, follow the ball in constantly. But it, Cantwell has, has got, instinctively knows if there's going to be a shot, he's he's going to be in the right place at the right time to get the rebound. And he was there. It was perfect. It was a fantastic shot. But, but, but Lawrence actually thought he'd scored when he hit it. He hit it really cleanly. It was a great save by the goalkeeper, but as I say, uh, Cantwell's awareness, right place at the right time, fires it past the goalkeeper, and Ibrox just went absolutely ballistic. It was great to see, Derek. It was great. And I know you were saying there that, that you were thinking about things to say if we were going to drop points. I honestly never thought about that in the whole game because I just had a feeling that we were still going to win the game. And I've had that a lot this season. And trust me, I've not had that for many, many years where I've been confident even, you know, when there's not been a lot of time left that we're going to win. And I certainly did the other night and I just think it's fantastic that we've got this mentality in the team just now and delighted that, that we scored. And you saw the whole team, you, you saw what, what it meant to, to all of them for us to get that second goal. I was absolutely delighted. Superb stuff. Yes, that was the last thing Lawrence done because he came off a couple of minutes later on the 74th minute, Sterling came on. 85th minute, Cantwell off and Dio Mandy on. We really just had to see out the game at this point. 87th minute, it was a quick break by Aberdeen down the left, gets a cross in on the deck and Miofsky tries a back heel flick but no power in it and an easy take for, for Butland. 88th minute though, moment of controversy because Sterling was given a straight red card. He was about to put the challenge in he pulled out of it, he slid, his foot did connect with the ankle, 
but he was in the process of putting his foot down ultimately. There was a long VAR check. He went to the screen and he still ends up sending him off. Dave, I'm, I'm at a loss with this one here because he slid in, he slipped, he connected with his big toe, his foot was down, it wasn't reckless, it wasn't dangerous, because ultimately a straight red card, is that's what saying it was. He did come in with pace, now I think that's what ultimately has maybe swayed something, but for the referee to straight away deem that a red card, when he was very lacklustre about giving yellow cards out, we'll get into something in a second, for him to give a straight red card straight away, I think his view was partially obscured with it when I've looked back as well. For him to then be told by the VAR technicians to you maybe better go check the screen, he's had a look at several angles and for him to still say, no, I'm sticking with my guns here, I'm sending them off, that is nothing but scandalous. In my opinion, Derek, he was the only person that saw that, saw the replay as well and still thought that it was a red card. Every single person that, that, that viewed that said, as soon as VAR intervened and he went to look at it, that will show that it's not a red card. Every single pundit said it on the commentary of the game. Everybody that watched it said it also. Yellow card, maybe because of the, the pace of it, you would give a yellow card out there. But for a straight red card, you know, I'm still lost as to why he came up with that decision to do so. But again, even more baffled that VAR intervened, told him to have another look at it, and he still came up with that decision. Quite incredible, and I still don't know why that happened, Derek. It's I, I'm, I'm trying to think of another instance where that's happened before, where VARs intervened and told the referee to go and look at a decision like a red card, and it's not usually been brought back, but it wasn't this time, and it should never have been a red card, 100%. Just, just diabolical, it really was. I mean, the, the, the thing is as well, Duke had not long came on the park for yes. Aberdeen, mm-hmm. and he got a yellow card for elbowing, I think it was Goldson, in the face. Now, I'll take a lot of people saying that was a straight red card, and I have seen them for as given as a red card. I've also seen them given as a yellow, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt yes. here. It was a yellow card. However, less than a minute later, He's literally pulled one of our players back to stop the break happening. So that should be an automatic yellow card and a sending off. He's yep. never done that. Just absolutely baffling from the referee. Now, we appealed this. We confirmed we were doing that the day after. The hearing was on Thursday there. And surprise, surprise, the appeal was rejected. That is just absolute fucking nonsense. And also the fact as well, St Mirren had a very similar straight red card as well. And they appealed it. And they, they got theirs thrown out also as well. And that was probably even less of a red card than, than Sterling's was. Yeah. So I, I don't know what's going on. I, I really don't. I mean, VAR, we've said it all along, VAR is good, VAR works. But when you've got the same clowns that are refereeing games that are doing the VAR, and then you've got referees checking VAR and still dismissing VAR, what's the point, Dave? What yep. is the point? 100%, because... The VAR, you, you know, when the decision came in for VAR for him to, to review it, that straight away is, is, is a warning to say, look, we think you've, you've got this decision wrong. But he chose to, to keep with his uh, original decision, which was incredible. And even so, the, the fact that the appeal has been, you know, upheld as well is quite incredible also. So you give up sometimes, Derek, don't, don't you? And, and we say that t- time and time again. And I, I, I hate to, to repeat what, what you're saying, but 
VAR is something that we should be utilising, but when you've got people there that are not utilising it correctly, what is the point in it being there? Yeah. And then after all that, they got eight minutes injury time. I mean, at this point, I was saying they're fucking at it, referees now, because ultimately, I think they got three minutes injury time in the first half when there was a couple of head knocks yeah. and a long, long um, de- delays for that. They only got three minutes, yet they got eight minutes out of this half. Yes, incredible. Ninety-first minute, there was a shot by Aberdeen and a good block by Butland. And then there was a bit of a scrum. The Sky panel after the game, though, in this scrum were an absolute disgrace. They went over the incident at nauseam. Pure raging that no penalty was given for a handball for two instants where the ball being headed off Goldson's arm from about a yard away and then in the, the resulting kind of stromash, it hit off the underside of Goldson's supporting arm as he was falling to the ground. I mean, only Boyd was there saying that it wasn't a penalty. He was yeah. three against one at this point. Yep. So fair play to Chris Boyd for, for standing, sticking to his guns with that one there. But... If you think that they were penalties, then you really need to give your head a swivel. I mean, you're you're just showing your pure bias there if you think that they were penalties. From a yard out, you cannot get a handball from it being hit off your arm from a yard out. And then the rules changed when your supporting arm hits the ball when you're as you're falling down. It's not a penalty. So just absolutely crazy. And not only that, it ended up being nine minutes of injury time after after it all. So. Um, what was even worse, though, in the 92nd minute, there was pretty much the same tackle on silver as what happened with Sterling and only a yellow card was given. Yes, yep. Nobody would have but, argued with a yellow card for Sterling, but how can you give a red card for him and a yeah. yellow card for the exact same yep. foul? Just 100, 100%, yep. And it made the game very nervy towards the end, but we still saw it out. We got the three points, some great game management towards the end as well. So delighted with that. It was, and again, I'm, I, I just seem to be a lot calmer about games these days, Derek, because although all of that happened and all the added time and Aberdeen were putting us under a bit of pressure, I genuinely felt that we were going to win the game. I just, as soon as we got that second goal, I just had that, and I, I'm hoping that the, my sort of confidence in the way I'm feeling is how the, how the players are feeling also and, and it seems to be like that and we've not had that in a very, very long time which I think is just fantastic. That's why I'm I'm actually enjoying the games just now, Derek. I'm enjoying us, uh, even the slender victories because there is this sort of air of confidence there and it's, it's great to see. Yeah, I'm I'm not as nervous going into the end of the games now when, it, when it's like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway... We which is three. huge, which is yeah. huge considering what, <laughs> what we've been watching over the past few seasons, Derek. That's massive, and that shows you what the manager has instilled in the team, and it is shown with the fans as well. Because again, I think the fans are in, in sync with, with the team a lot more, also just now, and feeling confident. And it is, it is fantastic to see. And I'm go, going to the game tomorrow and I'm so looking forward to it. So it's uh, it's, it's just it's, it's really, really good to know and long may it continue. Yes. So, in the table, we've played 24, we've won 19, drawn 1, lost 4, scored 50 goals, conceded 12, goal difference plus 38 and we're on 58 points. Because of Celtic slip-ups, 
Uh, we're only three behind them now with a game in hand and with only two goals behind in goal difference. So massive, massive that one there. Ten ahead of Hearts as well with a game in hand over them. I mean, that shows you how well Hearts have actually done. the. No, they are. Hearts are playing excellent. But but, but going back to us, Derek, going from when Philip Clement took over, that is quite an incredible phenomenal record that he's put together with the wins for us to claw this back and potentially potentially I'm I'm, I'm not going to count my chickens until they're hatched but for us if we win our, our game in hand by more than two goals for us to then go top of the league is that is quite sensational stuff Derek and it's uh, I'm absolutely d- delighted I'm delighted in the manager I'm delighted that, you know, it, it looks as if we've, we've got the right man at the helm. I said it in the last pod, but that's a, that's a phenomenal transformation, isn't it? It's nothing short of unbelievable. I mean, what yeah. he's done, I mean, he, he did joke about not having a magic wand. That, that He clearly has, because he's instilled something in the players that were failing and they were refusing to play. He's instilled something in them that, that there's a belief in them. And you can see that in his man management. And I've said that in the last podcast. Sometimes it's not about the quality of the team. Sometimes it's about man management. You've seen that in Walter's second spell with the way he got a team of largely average players, good to average players, to a European final. It just shows you what you can do with a bit of man management. But anyway, there's still a lot of football to play. So as you said, not counting chickens yet. No. Next game, which will be tonight by the time this comes out, Saturday the 10th of February, it's at home to Air United in the Scottish Cup Round 5. It's a 17.30 kick-off. Willie Collum has been appointed the ref, so I am more <laughs> concerned about that than I am about, about Air United, actually. I'll pass on your regards to him when I'm there, Derek, if I get the chance. Yes, just don't get yourself arrested then, and that's the case. <laughs> A bit of a strange one though, the draw for the next round is at 5pm on the Sunday before the Hearts and Airdrie game kicks off, so a bit of a strange strange time in that for the draw. But anyway, one team that won't be in it is Motherwell because they lost 2-1 to Greenock Morton yeah, tonight. So just, That's just occurred just as we recorded the pod, so that's a first bit of giant killing, but uh, here's hoping that uh, there's no another bit of giant killing at Ibrox <laughs> tomorrow. Yes. Next game is our game in hand, Wednesday the 14th of February. It's away to Ross County in the Premiership. That's the 1945 kickoff. So anybody who has got Valentine's Day plans, I hope you're cancelling them for that game. Sunday the 18th of February, away to St Johnson in the Premiership. That's a midday kickoff. Saturday the 24th of February, at home to Hearts in the Premiership. That's a three o'clock kickoff. And to round out February, Wednesday the 28th of February, away to Kilmarnock in the Premiership. That's a 1945 kickoff. So, a lot of games to play. I can't believe there's only 14 games left in the Premiership, Dave. Yeah, I know, Derek. It is going fast, but great to be in this position just now. We're repeating ourselves again, but if you'd have said to us when uh, Clement first came in that we would be in this position with a chance to actually go top, we would never have believed you. So, absolutely fantastic. Long may it continue, take one game at a time, but we do uh, seem to have a, a wee stretch of games where a, a lot of them are at home. So, I'm really hoping that we keep going and uh, and, and get three points for, for every game and really put put the pressure on them so uh, fingers crossed yes so now we'll go into the news
So a few bits and pieces to cover as ever. It would be remiss of me if I never started off with news from Dapu Mubudi. He's given a brief update on his condition after his car crash and he said, I appreciate everyone's concern for me after the accident. I am happy that I was able to leave hospital and I am gradually on the road to recovery. I hope to return soon. So not a great update on his condition there, but certainly I'm glad he is certainly alive yeah. anyway. That's the main thing. Yep. And hopefully he gets uh, back to full fitness and he can, he can return to football. Definitely, yep. Yep. Next thing, Clement was announced manager of the month for January, so absolutely well deserved that one given the results we've had. Yep, fantastic. We've summarised it there in the in the, the, the matches, how, how well he's done and thoroughly deserved. Yes. Next thing, the inaugural Fans Advisory Board meeting took place. I summarised minutes of the that meeting are up on the Rangers website. It's kind of all what we've heard previously in the quarterly engagement meetings that we've, that have been happening. As much as it may be overkill, at least there's a consistency of message coming out of the club on certain subjects. And it looks as if they're going to be followed up on a regular basis between these and the quarterly meetings. And they're not just going to be sound bites never to be heard again, which yeah. you so often see, especially with with ourselves. Next meeting that is going to be with the advisory board is going to be on the 4th of March. So I believe the next engagement meeting with the fans will be before then. So it'll be a few advisory board meetings before we see the substance and see what differences between the two engagement processes are but it's good that we're, we're on this track now i still have my reservations about the fan yeah. advisory board as i said but we'll see if anything of substance comes from it in, in yep. due course yep fingers crossed Next thing, we have now officially announced SeatGeek as the official ticketing platform starting for the season ticket renewals for next season. So that's a massive one there because the, the club are fully aware that the, the ticketing situation can't continue as it were. We're a massive club. We cannot have the same shoddy practice for, for tickets. Just even just buying a, a regular ticket for a game uh, is, is an absolute pain. And so, you know, we're going to be in good company because apparently SeatGeek, you know, hosts Man City tickets tickets and Liverpool tickets as well so hopefully it'll be a, a, a seamless and smooth journey as, as we go on with that one I definitely does sound promising Derek and fingers crossed just like you said it, it's seamless it's easy to use and we can get the full use out of so their facilities and everything runs smoothly for all the fans that are using it so fingers crossed yes Next thing, we announced that Kellogg's is going to be our official breakfast partner. I mean, who even knew we needed one of those days? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, can't complain. It's a big brand, so it's uh, more money in and more advertising, etc. I mean, I just laugh at the image of Broxy Bear and Coco in the, <laughs> thinking what's going through the two people that are in those suits in the dressing room getting their picture taken. It's quite a, quite a funny image. But it also got the Orcs absolutely raging to claim that they're going to boycott Kellogg's from now on. Only for a day later, Celtic to announce a similar... <laughs> exactly. Absolute <I> fannies. <laughs> Hilarious. No, as you say, Derek, there, you know, a recognisable global brand. So to be, uh, you know, to be connected with them with a sponsorship deal can only be a good thing. So uh, not pleased with that one. Yes. So next thing, Dave, I've left this to last in the news because it's a pretty major one, is 
that Rangers and five other Premiership clubs have slammed the SPFL in a letter, an open letter to uh, the SPFL chairman and the SPFL executive. It all stems from the alleged independent investigation into the governance of our game. Now, Murdo McLennan received the report one day and the next day, in fact, even it was probably the same day, he was out in the media giving it big licks, saying that, oh, nothing to worry about, everything's fine, a couple of wee recommendations, but we are very diverse and we've got a great range of talent. And Dave, we mentioned it on the last podcast and we pissed ourselves laughing at that one. So... It turns out that it's not all what he says it is. So, in a joint in a joint statement, Rangers, Aberdeen, St. Johnson, St. Byrne, Motherwell, and Livingston voiced the serious concerns. They they went on to say in the letter, on behalf of the SPFL Premiership clubs, Aberdeen, blah blah blah, all the clubs. A letter was today issued to the SPFL executive in response to the handling of recent independence governance report. The clubs hold serious concerns regarding the report's independence, transparency, and overall governance of the SPFL. The letter seeks full clarity on numerous issues so that the clubs as the shareholders of the SPFL can determine if further action is necessary. In conjunction with the draft report being made available to the SPFL board, SPFL chairman Murdo McLennan hastily released a statement that did not reflect the full findings of the report. Additionally, the statement was issued without the approval or knowledge of members of the SPFL board or SPFL member clubs. The SPFL board is to meet at a future date to discuss the draft report's contents, making it highly inappropriate for, for the SPFL chairman to have made public, made any public comment ahead of that meeting. Regarding the report itself, the clubs and others are deeply concerned about its independence given that the SPFL executive received the first draft of the report and made changes to it prior to sending it to the SPFL board members. Of the 42 member clubs, only one had the opportunity to input into the report's investigation outside of the current or previous board members. Despite several requests from the clubs, the report has yet to be released to any of the member clubs, despite the clubs footing the bill for its creation. The handling of this independence governance report has brought the club's governance concerns to a head and is now incumbent on the SPFL board and executive for the sake of the trust in those running our game to provide clarity over these clear and deeply troubling concerns as a matter of urgency. Where the fuck do you start with that one, Dave? Yeah, I mean, it it looks to me as if things have been changed very, very quickly without the knowledge of quite a lot of the members of the SPFL from that original investigation. Is that what you're taking from it, like what I'm thinking? Yeah, I mean, it looks as if it should have been discussed with the SPFL board. Now, obviously, the SPFL board consists of, I think, about 12 CEOs or chairmen of the, the 42 member clubs. Rangers and Celtic alternate every two yes. years, I think yeah. it is. So it's our turn just now. So on the fact that only one club were allowed to input into the investigation, into the report, well, it's not going to be Celtic because it says that previous or current board members, so it's not Celtic. I fail to see who this club could be. Why not just announce who it was? They've marked their own homework by changing stuff. Yep, yep. They've issued statements before anybody's been able to see it. There's 42 clubs in total that are effectively paying for it, so they should see the report itself. Tonight, another SPFL side, Stenhouse Muir, has came out and slammed the report as well. They've issued a lengthy statement, basically slamming them. It all started because of the SPFL's 
stupidity and going down the legal process with Rangers when they knew they couldn't win that that thing yeah. with the whole cinch thing. Obviously, they've went on to say that they've had the SPFL or because of that, SPFL obviously apologised to Rangers, pay compensation and legal yep. costs, and admit they got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, Dennis Muir want to know well that's cost all the clubs money now because of that. So. They're deeply concerned about it. The SPFL tonight have hit back with another stupid, woolly, you know, Paris Church statement saying that there's factual inaccuracies with what the letter says. They've addressed these points and then they'll, they'll get back to us at the meeting. I mean, it's just an absolute farce. We all know what the problem is here. Murdoch McLennan has got a conflict of interest. It was highlighted years ago, but no. Everything was told, oh no, there's no conflict of interest at all. He's not in dread with Celtic or Peter Lowell. No, I'm sorry. The SPFL for a number of years now have been for the benefit of one club only. It's as simple as that. I know you could turn around and say, I'm looking at that through blue tinted specs, but you look at the litany of things I think I've said in the last podcast or the podcast before. I could go into it again, Dave, but there's just a litany of things that just do not ring true oh, it's, to, to, it, to being an even-handed thing across all 42 clubs. It's for the benefit of one club only, and we, we know that now. There's irrefutable proof of that, Dave. There's decisions that are made every single season, Derek, which are absolutely baffling in any other world or business or anything like that. These things wouldn't stand. You know, even in other footballing nations, you know, some of the baffling decisions that are made by the, the, the powers that be would, would never ever stand in a, any other country apart from here. And we've got reams and reams of incidents that have happened in the past that we can, you know, as, as you quite rightly say, are only there to benefit one club. It's quite incredible. And we, we could go into it. We've spoken about it numerous times before. But hopefully, finally now, Derek, all the rest of the teams are now actually going to open their mouths. They've had their eyes opened here as well as to everything that's gone on, uh, all the inconsistencies that have happened with this report. And here's hoping there's more clubs now do what Stennis Muir have done and speak out for it. Because I think what Stennis Muir are, are, are more unhappy about is they've said to themselves that the SPFL knew that they were never going to win the legal battle against Rangers, but they went ahead with it anyway. And they could have saved it all, and they obviously knew that that was going to happen. So here's hoping that this is now the start of the floodgates for the rest of the clubs to become involved and ask a lot of questions. That's that's all all we can hope for because it's been a long time coming. Sounds like a corrupt political party in this country, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, it was a few years ago now, but ex St. Martin Chief Stuart Gilmer even came out and said Peter Lawwell runs Scottish football. It'll be interesting to see how this get this pans out. I mean, obviously, I think we're waiting for the next board meeting now, but, I mean, it's not a good look when 50% of the top league clubs have wrote an open letter basically saying, no, the, the, we're not happy with the way you're running it. And then you've got another club that are publicly coming out. So these are clubs that have publicly came out. And is yes. there any clubs that are not publicly coming out and have the same concerns? I think they need to make it public now. Um, yes, definitely. Uh, people always blame Rangers and Celtic for ruining the Scottish game and everything's all for the benefit of us. There are going to be things in the Scottish League that are going to be dictated by Rangers and Celtic and that is just going to be the way it is. We're the two biggest clubs. We are the ones that bring ultimately the money in. You, you've seen from the money we're bringing in from Europe alone, 
because of what we've done in Europe over the last couple of years, all the clubs are benefiting from that. The TV deal, yes, there's, there's absolutely faults in it, but the only reason why we've got a TV deal of worth of anything at all is because of Rangers and Celtic. But this is not the point. This is going down a why are they, they, they try to cover up something here? Because it's quite clear that there's something amiss with this. We'll just need to wait and see how this pans out, but it cannot go on any longer because there's decisions that are being made to the detriment of our game. I mean, the TV deal alone, the fact that they, when there's still several years still left to go of the, the TV deal and they go and tie us up into a TV deal in 2029 without going to putting it to tender, I mean, that alone should get the sacking. So... I don't know, Dave. Like, I think, Derek, it is quite encouraging now that clubs are publicly speaking out now. And like I said, we can only hope that more and more clubs now speak out because that's what is needed now. We need the vast majority of the clubs to now come out and demand answers here. So here's hoping that that's the start of uh, things to come. So... Unfortunately, I don't have any stories this week, Dave. They've all been pretty, pretty tame. So there's nothing that's uh, tickled my fancy. So <laughs> do, do without. I think the story that you had in our last podcast was so was so good. I was still laughing about that about half an hour after you read it. So uh, well, uh, we'll let you off for this one pod that you've not been able to find anything suitable. So, yes, it's been an enjoyable few games. Uh, certainly, you know, long may it continue because it's it's actually exciting watching us just now as long as we get the results, obviously, as well. But, you know, I've got full faith in the team because, you know, Clement has turned everything around. Yeah, it has, Derek. I mean, and it's not just certain players. It, just, it seems to be the whole squad. Uh, you know, it seems to be no matter who he puts into the team, they are going out giving 100% for him. Uh, and you know he, he able to change it with the you know how strong the bench is getting now as well, and everybody that's taking part in the games are are, are making a difference to the team, and you can't ask for more than that. It's, it's just been a stunning t- turnaround and long may it continue. So all that's left to say is thanks for listening and goodbye. Okay, take care, folks. Bye bye. And the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go.